We are proud to announce that Disabled Black Chick Podcast has been featured in Essence Magazine for Top 36 Podcasts to listen to in 2022. Thank you so much, Essence Magazine, for our feature and the continued support from our listeners. Thank you again. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Disabled Black Chick, where we talk about all things mental health, travel, and disability. My name is Sierra Gervier, and I am the host of this podcast. And I'm so excited to be here this week because we're in the month of May, and May is considered International Mental Health Month. And I would like in this episode to kind of share a personal story of mine. I recorded an episode about general mental health and the and destigmatizing mental health and honing in within the black and brown community specifically the the black community and how we have certain mindsets and notions when it comes to mental health but I decided to put that episode on hold and kind of share something personal within my life If you follow me on Instagram, you know that maybe a year ago I posted an Instagram story about emotional abuse that I've endured for 16 years. And I talked about how I wanted to share a story that I call the almond milk story. And I kind of shared this on a little bit, just a snippet on my TikTok about the almond milk story um, that pertains to abuse, anxiety, depression, and some of the residual effects that I personally have slash had after being in a narcissistic behavioral type of relationship. So I'm about to get really raw. (laughs) So I was in an emotional abusive relationship for about 16 years. I got married very young at the age of 18. And I know whenever I tell people this, they're like, huh? Um, It was a secret. I got married in secrecy because I felt obligated, forced. Um, My ex-husband gave me an ultimatum when it came to marriage and marrying him. He told me that he would end our relationship if I didn't marry him at the very young age of 18, freshly out of high school. And being young, stupid, naive, and really truly thinking in that moment that I was absolutely head over heels for the man that I was in a relationship with. So not to get into uh, too many details because I know that I could ramble when it comes to this because I could literally write a book about what I experienced within this relationship. But to get back to the almond milk story, uh, I kind of have to give a little bit of a background of what the abuse looked like. And I will say it in a, I'll give you guys a very condensed version of what I experienced. So my ex-husband was very controlling and very possessive, and I didn't know this until um, I had a conversation with a person I was working with. I was babysitting at the time, and I became really good friends with this um, with, with the stepmom of the child that I was babysitting, and I told her about my relationship, and I kind of normalized what I was experiencing, the possessiveness, the controlling, and she kind of shed some light on my situation, and she 
helped me realize that I was experiencing abuse. And once my eyes became open, I saw all of the signs of of narcissistic behavior. I didn't know it back then, but of course now it's pretty apparent that it was narcissistic behavior and that I was enduring and normalizing this type of abuse. So some of the things that I've experienced within this relationship was that my ex-husband would check my phone all the time. If I were to come into our home after, I don't know, going, uh, taking classes at the university, going to the gym, seeing my family or being out with friends. And I had to sneak out to see my friends because he didn't want me to have friends at all. He told me that, and I'm laughing because I just can't believe that I took all of this, but he told me that when you're in a marriage, your partner, you only need each other in in the relationship. So the husband needs the wife, the wife needs the husband and nothing more. There's no need to have friends. And so whenever I would go to my family's house, my mom's house to see my my family and my my family, I would kind of sneak out and hang out with my friends for about 30 minutes and just innocent hanging out, seeing them catching up, things like that. So when I would come home, he would check my phone. He would contact the phone service that we had at the time so that he could get a list of my call logs, my messaging, all of those things. So there was a moment in our relationship as well where he uh, didn't like when I wore makeup. He didn't approve of certain outfits that I wore. I had to look down towards the ground whenever we were walking outside because if he caught me glancing at another man, um, if we just catch eyes, he would accuse me of being all types of dirty, filthy names in in the book. <laughs> and And so this is just some of the things that I've gone through within this relationship. And how this kind of ties into the almond milk story is that he would also time me. So it's pretty typical for me to get sick once a year, as most people do, um, especially when it's the flu and cold season. And uh, where I used to live in Virginia, there were there was a 24-hour pharmacy, Walgreens, and I would, if I was feeling very bad on, you know, that one day out of the year and I couldn't sleep, I would wake up at 11.30 at night, 12 o'clock, and run to the pharmacy to get the medication that I need in order to stop all of the cold and flu symptoms. So when I did that, I knew that I had to go in and out because I've done this for years while being married to this man and he would time me. If I didn't come home, you know, back, return back from the pharmacy at an appropriate time, maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes, he would accuse me of leaving the house to be with another man. There was another time where I 
would go to church. I went to church every Sunday and he timed me when he expected me to come back from church. So I never really fellowshiped with anyone at church. I never befriended anyone because I literally had to go to the service and like speed my way home because I didn't want to hear anything from him and him yelling and screaming at me, calling me all types of names, um, taking my phone, all of these things. So fast forward to me living in Spain, I remember feeling really hungry one night and I wanted maybe a little snack. And so I opened my refrigerator door and I saw that I was low of almond milk and I love almond milk in my coffee. And I knew that if I didn't go to the store before it closed, I would not have any milk for my coffee in the next morning. So it was around 9.30 that night and I knew that the grocery store near near me closed around 10 o'clock or at 10 o'clock. And so I kind of just threw on my shoes and I just rushed out the house and, you know, just went to the store to, to get my, my purchase. While I was in the, the supermarket, I, uh, I can't remember for the life of me this type of ho- the holiday that we were in within that moment. But if you know, in Spain, they don't I don't want to say celebrate, but they don't display holidays uh, in their supermarkets or any stores like how we do in the States. So if you were to go to Walmart or Target, you will see aisles dedicated to a holiday that is being celebrated within that moment. So if it's Christmas, you will see aisles of Christmas stuff, Halloween, um, Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, all of the above, you will see this in American stores. But here, it's not very typical. You will probably see maybe one little shelf, section of a shelf that's dedicated to a holiday. But this time when I went to the grocery store, I seen the entire aisle that was dedicated to whatever this holiday was. And so I was in complete awe and time was passing by. I already had my almond milk in my hand and the announcer in the store mentioned that the store was closing within two minutes and we had to bring our purchases up to the cashier. So within that moment, I began to panic because I thought, oh my God, I've spent probably way over 30 minutes within this this grocery store and I need to go back home. So I made my purchase and I am power walking home. I am walking so fast. I'm sweating because I just felt the need to make it home in time. And I didn't make the connection as to why. I just knew that I spent an extended amount of time in the in the grocery store and I needed to go home. So I'm, you know, at my apartment door and I open the door and I'm just sprinting up the stairs. I lived on the third floor, which is technically the fourth floor. Uh, If you know European buildings, then you know what I mean. Uh, So I'm sprinting all the way up to the third floor of my apartment building. And I'm thinking while I'm doing this, while I'm sprinting as fast as I could, I'm thinking in in my head, what excuse am I going to tell my husband because I am quote unquote late coming coming back home? I spent a long time at the supermarket. What excuse can I tell him because I know he is going to accuse me of having an affair? 
And I remember putting the key into the door of my apartment and just feeling the sweat just beating down my my face and me thinking, oh my God, he's going to yell, he's going to scream, he's going to call me all types of names. You know, I, I don't, I'm going to feel all of this anxiety and depression all at once because this is just how he is. This is the routine that I followed for 16 years. And it wasn't until the moment that I opened my door and I realized that this is my apartment and this man is thousands of miles away from me. And I hit the floor, bawling my eyes out, thanking God that I've made the right decision because I can, the, 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 the pure pleasure of making the executive decision for myself to go to the supermarket at 9.30 at night because I wanted, wanted almond milk and knowing that I can decide to take a walk after going coming from the store and enjoying the summer evening or the summer night because I want to, it's my decision, that all flooded back to me when I was on my knees crying and thanking God that I made the decision to leave because I'm entering into my own apartment. I don't hear anyone screaming and yelling at me. I don't have the sense of possessiveness and control over my life, over everything, all of my moves that I've made. That no longer existed once I put the key into my door of my own apartment. I no longer heard his voice and feeling the feeling anxiety just because I left his side. Um, you know, I felt this way again for 16 years and for every single moment whenever we weren't around each other, whenever we didn't spend the entire day and every waking moment with each other, even if this meant he was going to work or I went to work, it didn't it didn't matter. Whenever we spent time apart, he still had this this uh powerful presence of possessiveness and control. And no one knew that I was experiencing this. I do think that some of my family and friends had some sort of inclination of something that was off, but I hid it very, very well. Um, I've made excuses for him, all of these things. I, I missed graduations. I've missed birthdays. I've missed just hanging out with some of my friends uh, as often as I wanted to because of, of him. It took me a while to to uh, kind of share this type, this little piece, this little, little piece, small piece, minute piece of my abuse, the abuse that I experienced within my relationship because I kind of felt a bit vulnerable, but at the same time, I felt that I need to share my story. I felt this way, I want to say maybe five, six years within the relationship that I was in, that once I get out, I am going to share my story with whomever that this resonates with and to women that are going, men and women that have gone through abuse and is 
in a moment of indecisiveness when it comes to leaving or staying, trust me, leave, go. Life is so much better on the other side. I know when you're in it, you don't see it. It doesn't seem like it's in reach that you could have the possibility of living this better life, especially while you're within the relationship. What I would encourage anyone that's in a similar situation is to create an exit plan. I think this is super imperative because you just don't know how the narcissistic partner will react to you leaving because this is what they need. This is how they breathe. They need this sense of control in order to maintain the sense of importance and value within their own lives. This is why I encourage women specifically that are in a relationship, especially if you are married to the military, to have your own. Because, and I'm not generalizing all military men, this is my personal experience and I know a handful of women that are military spouses or former military spouses that have experienced something strikingly similar to what I've experienced. And in my situation, and I can say in my situation, I do not think that the military itself caused this narcissistic type of behavior within our marriage. It's a whole other story that I will not share because it's his personal um, life situation that, you know, he went through and experienced. So I'm not going to share that. But a lot of people would ask me, oh, is it because he's in the military and PTSD? And no, that's had nothing to do with it. He's he never he's never gone off for war to war. Um, and the military has nothing to do with it in so, in so many respects, because I do think that having the upper hand, meaning he earned um, a lot of money and he uh, was the breadwinner uh, throughout the entire marriage, he knew he had the upper hand and he knew he had the control over everything. I do feel that a lot of us normalize this type of behavior within a relationship and we sometimes begin to confuse this type of behavior with love. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. If you're listening to this podcast, please know that there are ways for you to get support. Even if your partner is isolating you from family and friends, coworkers, there are ways for you to get help. If you or if you know someone that is experiencing any sort of domestic abuse, I would encourage you to check out the National Domestic Violence Hotline at thehotline.org. There are options for you to go incognito on your web browser so that it's not traceable that you have visited said website. The website is free, confidential, and provides 24-7 support. It also has local resources, how to identify if you are actually in an abusive relationship, how to get help, and they also provide a safety plan. What's so cool about this is that you can either call or text, which is incredible because if you're in a specific situation where you're not able to speak to someone, you could use your phone and you can start texting for support. 
I will provide a link to this website in my show notes that will send you directly to the homepage so that you can get started. So I want to end this podcast on a very positive note. I just want whoever is listening to this podcast to know that I have completely healed because whenever I share this story, um, a lot of people kind of, you know, feel a little sad for me. And I understand it's a natural human reaction to hearing something like this, but I have completely healed from this relationship. I am in a very great moment within my life. I have incredible people that surrounds me, new friends, very supportive friends and family. And I'm just very blessed that I have the opportunity and the voice to share my story to women that are experiencing a similar situation in order to encourage them to create that exit plan, to create a safety plan, in order to move on and live a more healthy and positive life. As always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Sable Black Chick. If you have any questions, concerns, or just want to leave a comment, please email me at thedisabledchick at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-E, disabledchick at gmail.com. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Ciao.